Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 75 of the In Squash podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and uh, we're just, uh, we've just wrapped up uh, two fantastic events, the, the women's version of the Black Ball, uh, uh, the first uh, year of that event uh, in Cairo, and uh, also the Canary Wharf Classic. Uh, both events just wrapped up yesterday. Um, now, before we get into that uh, a little bit, though, uh, first of all, our thoughts and prayers to all of those affected by that unthinkable uh, massacre in New Zealand in, in Christchurch yesterday. Uh, thoughts and prayers to uh, everyone there and everyone uh, affected by that. Uh, Paul Cole did likewise in his victory speech uh, at Canary Wharf yesterday, and congratulations to him on a uh, just playing absolutely uh, brilliant squash uh, throughout the week. And that came uh, and he played brilliantly yesterday against uh, Tarek Moman, who also uh, he's been playing well all year, obviously, uh, having beaten again uh, Marwan, uh, sorry, uh, Mohamed uh, El Shabagi uh, in the uh, semifinal in, in an epic five-game match, and uh, then he went through and uh, just didn't quite have enough in the tank. I think uh, he tried to, uh, you know, he played his game and played it pretty well, but Paul uh, was fresh, and Paul, as you can see, uh, has improved uh, and developed in a lot of areas. I mean, we all know how. Uh, physically uh, strong he is and how quickly he moves but now he's uh, with the uh, the core and balance training that he does with uh, that CrossFit stuff I think he, I mean his balance is uh, maybe just maybe unparalleled out there because he's moving so quickly he's on the ball quickly he's balanced and when he gets to uh, the front court or anywhere where he's sort of uh, uh, under pressure he's there and can do a lot with the ball and that was obvious, especially in the front court when he was retrieving uh, uh, or doing the counter drop routine and uh, really uh, playing some great shots from up there. So uh, anyways, congratulations uh, to Paul and to Tarek. Uh, it was a great, uh, great tournament for both of them and Paul emerged victorious at his first uh, Canary Wharf uh, victory. And then uh, on the women's side, the first ever, the inaugural black ball uh, uh, winner is a Reneem uh, Elwalili uh, who took out uh, Norel Shabini in the final. The two of them have been going back and forth pretty much uh, since the start of the year, although there have been, uh, you know, Nor uh, El Taib's been up there. Uh, jo Joel King has been playing well. Several, uh, Josh Chinapa played, had a great event. Uh, so uh, uh, the, the women's game again, uh, just showing the, the strength of the women's game in this event, although the top two players in the world vying for the final and the two of them are sort of going back and forth, which should bode well for the rest of the, of the, the season as the two of them um, battle it out for the top spot in the women's rankings, although there are several others uh, nipping at their heels, so uh, should be uh, a great, uh, great finish uh, to the season uh, over the next few months. Now, uh, today uh, on the podcast, uh, I'd love to go um, Canadian and uh, uh, really enjoy having the Canadian content, and we have a great, uh, great story here. Uh, First time uh, winner on the PSA Tour, David Ballerjean is on the is speaking with me today, and he just uh, in February, uh, mid February, won his first PSA event, the Guilfoyle uh, Squash Classic in in Toronto, and he comes on uh, today to talk a lot about uh, a lot about that. Uh, he grew up playing a squash in uh, Quebec City. Then uh, once uh, sort of uh, he started to really develop as a player, moved to Montreal, which for many of us in Canada know uh, it's a very very much a hotbed for squash. Uh, Jonathan Power 
uh, spent uh, the final few years of his professional career based out of Montreal, the likes of uh, Sean Delier uh, also playing out of there. Uh, he played at the famous MAA club, which is in uh, downtown, uh, Toronto, uh, downtown Montreal, and uh, that's a great venue. He moved there to be, uh, I think he hooked up with a squash uh, coach uh, by the name of Yvon Provencel. He's very, very well-known legend in, in Canada on the coaching side of things and he's guided uh, David throughout his uh, young career. And now uh, also we talked about his decision to, uh, to move uh, to, uh, to the UK, to Bristol, and this is uh, something that's seemingly uh, uncommon uh, amongst the, the top Canadian players. Not even Jonathan uh, spent uh, much time uh, overseas, I don't think he, uh, Jonathan Power, uh, I mean, uh, he, I think he was based mostly either out of Toronto or uh, Montreal, although he did play a lot of uh, a lot of league matches in Europe. I think his primary base uh, was in uh, Canada, well, being married and, and things that would uh, make that decision relatively easy. But, but for David, he's decided he decided to uh, to make the move to Europe, uh, uh, to Bristol in particular, where he's now working with uh, Hadrian Stiff. So we talk about the the why he made that decision, and uh, we also uh, I would have been remiss not to ask him for a, a bit of a. Uh, Sean Delier uh, anecdote. Okay, so uh, I know you're going to enjoy the the little nugget he gives us there uh, about Sean. So uh, I know you're, uh, you'll enjoy this one. Uh, episode 75, David Ballerjean. Uh, episode 75 uh, of the In Squash podcast, and today we're you know as uh, as I'm Canadian, I'm always trying to uh, to get a lot of Canadian content, and uh, this is a great story. We have today. He's uh, currently uh, just outside the top 100, 114 in the world rankings. Uh, he just won his first PSA event in Toronto, the Guilfoyle uh, Squash uh, Classic in Toronto. Uh, he's now in uh, in Bristol, in the UK, uh, working with Hadrian Stiff. Uh, David Balgeron uh, is my guest. Uh, David, great to great to have you on the podcast, and congrats on on the win in Toronto. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Gary. Yeah. Uh, now, David, as I mentioned uh, in the opening, uh, you just won your first PSA event after uh, a few years on tour. Uh, we all know how competitive is it is out there uh, these days. So, getting a win uh, it must uh, must be huge for you. Uh, how does it feel now? It's been a few weeks. So, uh, how does it feel now uh, that the dust is uh, settled and you have a, your first win under your belt? Well, I guess now it still feels good, but uh, yeah, I'm looking for more now, and uh, yeah, I'm settled now, back on hurt, and uh, yeah, craving for more, really, more of those feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, it was a good win. You you beat a, a very strong player in the final, Jamie uh, Haycox, I think, and uh, he's he's uh, played well. He's played some really good squash uh, of late, so that's a great win for you. Uh, I guess before the final, you, uh, knowing you had to play him. Uh, uh, what were your thoughts heading into the final? Well, first he kind of rolled his ankle the day before, uh, and at the beginning of the fourth game against Ryko, he was down two-one, rolled his ankle, and then I don't know how he did it, but he managed to win the the last two games. So I didn't know, I didn't really know what to expect if he'd be fit or not, uh, which was yeah a bit a bit scary because. Either he would, he could go on court and and then like play a couple of rallies and shake my hand and then that wouldn't be the most satisfying win or first PSA win or he could be 
just fine and and then yeah it's always in your head that he, he kind of rolled his ankle the day before so uh, to be honest I was a bit scared but then he ended up being fine and we had a great match um it feels even better to win uh, winning a great match no absolutely and uh, you know the old expression the a wounded animal is the most dangerous uh, one yeah, exactly. If you remember the match where Greg Gauthier beat uh, Mohamed El Shorbagi at the TOC, I think. Uh, On one leg. Yeah, exactly. It was, a, <laughs> it was a good example of it. Yeah, I guess you probably, I mean, learn, you know, being a student of the game as well, you, you probably had those uh, thoughts in your mind uh, before the final. And just uh, what, would you have, um, what would you have been thinking in preparation for that? Just go out and play your game, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. I've been playing. I was playing well all week. I had three good wins. All my matches were tough, and I managed to win them all. So I, I was pretty confident, and I knew if I'd bring my A game, I could uh, had good chances of beating him. Uh, I struggled a bit at the start because he's he's super tight, and his uh, his winners' his shots were were going in nicely, and I was a bit too loose, a bit a bit too well looser than him, and a bit too traditional. So I had to kind of change my game plan and adapt uh, to kind of turn and twist him and expose his movement a bit. And uh, that's where I, I heard him. Yeah, that's great. That, that's interesting uh, stuff. Now, um, you, did, you had your win, uh, your first win in Toronto, uh, a little bit west of, of your home in Montreal, but it uh, must have felt good to win, win the first one on uh, Canadian soil. Yeah, exactly. There was a junior tournament there at the same time. Uh, the, the, uh, there was a massive crowd, plenty of young guys. I've played that junior tournament, uh, must have been 10 years ago now. But uh, I remember that feeling. And, and I think Robin said there was the f they uh, had that tournament for six years now. And it was the first time a Canadian made it to the final. So I was... Uh, Pretty wow. happy to win it for the tournament, and it just felt so good to win it, uh, win it for myself too. There and on home crowd, and everybody was quite happy and and cheering for me. That's awesome! Yeah, Toronto, Montreal, uh, even Calgary, Vancouver—some really uh, great squash across the country. So uh, great to see uh, you win that one, and then also uh, last week. Uh, um, Nick Sackfi uh, took a win in uh, Bermuda, I believe. So things are looking uh, looking up now for the uh, the Pan Am Games, I guess, uh, aren't they? Yeah, that's the the goal for everyone now. Everybody's going to try to to peak for that. Definitely. There's definitely a bit of a a border skirmish there with with the U.S. I mean, the as you know, uh, Todd Harity, um, Chris Gordon. I guess he'll he'll be in contention, and there are several uh, other. Uh, uh, Chris Hansen uh, and several other American uh, players that are are playing quite well now. So uh, that's that. Obviously, like you just said, it's something you're looking forward to. Uh, is it uh, this can't do the Canadians now? Do you think uh, you guys have a bit of a chip on your shoulder, given uh, you know maybe that the, that the U.S. has uh, sort of taken a few steps ahead uh, these days? Yeah, I mean, probably the U.S. are probably ahead in the ranking, but. Uh... We know we we can do well. Uh, Canada won the gold medal at the last Pan Ams, 
but uh, also there's not only the U.S. Mexico has a pretty strong team also. And, Absolutely, uh, yeah. I think uh, Colombia and Argentina too are going to be a couple of strong sides. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're uh, we're in the mix with all of those teams. We'll try to to finish on top. Yeah, I forgot about. I mean, uh, you've got guys like Diego Elias. Uh, I'm assuming he's going to be playing Miguel Rodriguez, and uh, given the squash, we all know the. The, the quality that they bring to the game. It's obviously going to rub off on the other players in those countries, and they're going to uh, probably surprise a few people with the depth that they have uh, there, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And the fact that it's in Peru, too, that I'm sure the Peruvian team is going to be really up for it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, David, uh, I'd like to look back. Uh, I know we talked a bit before we, we started the podcast. Uh, uh, I'm from uh, from Nova Scotia and, and played uh, quite a bit of the squash uh, provincially, uh, in provincial teams and nationals and things in Montreal. And uh, I, I would have to, you know, arguably Quebec has one of the greatest uh, squash traditions uh, in the country, along with uh, Ontario and Alberta. But you've got great players uh, back in the day, the late uh, Alex Dukas, uh, Smoking Joe Besso, David Phillips. Um, uh, who else do we got there? Yeah, the Delhi, obviously, the Delhi Air Brothers and yourself uh, as well. So uh, just uh, in terms of what, what was it like uh, for you growing up in that tradition in Montreal and Quebec uh, growing up as a junior squash player and and now taking it to another level? Well, yeah, Sean was, uh, yeah, we had Sean and Phillips. When I was young, Sean and Phillips were both on the national team. So uh, it was, uh, I was looking up to them and trying to, uh, to make it to that national team. And I knew uh, I had the decent setup to the right setup to make it there. Um, Obviously Phillips retired, a uh, couple of years ago now, and uh, and I've been looking up to Sean. He's been playing a lot of tournaments. I think he's won 15 tournaments, so I still yeah. got a 14 more to catch up to him. To win 14 <laughs> to catch up to him. So Is that kind of like like a goal of yours, maybe to to see if you can uh, at least you know get get close to what he's accomplished. Maybe, maybe. I mean, yeah, winning PSAs is one of the goals, but then you get guys like. Um, moment i think he's only won six tournaments and he's yeah. world uh, number three so uh, uh yeah it really depends um now i wouldn't set goals to myself like that um but yeah looking looking at sean and what he's done it's uh, it's, it's always been inspiring uh, especially what he did at last pan ams when he beat the uh, caesar to to win the gold medal in the team event uh, that was pretty special yeah, that's huge. Uh, that's a big win for him and, and a big uh, inspiration for, for the other guys in Canada. Uh, did you know uh, or had you ever heard of the name uh, Besso and Dukas? Uh, yeah, I know Joe Besso. Uh, we yeah. talked actually just uh, – he called me uh, maybe a week ago actually. Did he? Okay. Some tips on my game. Yeah. Uh, I think he's back into it. He was away from the game for a little bit, uh, but I think the last three years he's came back and – and now yeah, he follows it a bit and follows me, so uh, it's good to have him back. And then Alex Dukic, um, I've heard of him because there's yeah, they, a, have, yeah, they had a memorial tournament. He died very uh, quite young, uh, and he was one, uh, number one in Quebec. And I think uh, 
he died in his, I wouldn't say in his prime, but uh, just shortly after that, maybe I uh, could, could be wrong, but um, yeah. He yes, is, I think he won nationals, junior nationals, maybe. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. I think he was quite, Joe would have been very good friends with him, I, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I remember I played the junior tournament it was actually at the MAA because uh, I guess Alex was a member of the MAA and uh, yeah, the Memorial Tournament is a junior tournament at the MAA and I played it for the last, well, for eight years, I think, eight junior years. It was actually my first uh, junior tournament when I must have been nine years old. Okay. I think, yeah, I think it was my first tournament ever. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Joe, Joe Besso was quite the, the character. Um, I remember, I mean, if you, you know him pretty well, he, he's a, he's a, he's a funny guy. He was a very good squash player, but I, I remember him playing one of my, uh, when we played Quebec and provincial team, uh, in a match. And, uh, it was a pretty intense battle, uh, between him and my, my, uh, provincial teammate. And Joe was sort of dominating the, this one point. And uh, my friend had, he dove for the ball in the front court, got it up, but he was lying on the, the court. And Joe just hammered a, an overhead right into him as he was lying down on the floor. <laughs> and then my, my buddy, he, he jumped up and, and they went uh, sort of chest to chest there. It looked like it was going to come to blows. But, uh, <laughs> but Joe, Joe's not one to back down, I don't think, nor was my friend. No, exactly. It was, it was quite like entertaining. Yeah, he doesn't look like the kind of guy who's going to back down. Unfortunately, there's not too many uh, matches of his on, on YouTube because it was not recorded back then. But uh, yeah, I wish I, I could see him because I've heard a lot of stories about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, anyways, you uh, yeah, you grew up playing in Montreal and I, and I guess uh, played uh, a lot of squash at the, the MA club where uh, Yvonne was the, the head coach, I think. Um, so what, uh, for those of us who, for those people who may not know him as your coach, uh, describe what he was like uh, as your coach uh, going through your junior years and, and how he uh, impacted your game. He, he's a, he's a sort of a legendary coach in Canada. So uh, maybe give us a little background in terms of how he uh, impacted you and influenced you uh, as a squash player. Yeah, surely. Yeah, he is definitely legendary. But uh, I, I actually started playing in Quebec City. Um, okay. My family is from Quebec City. I played there from four years old. I started on the Saturday uh, morning junior program at okay. a club called Club Entrain. Sorry, what, what was the name of that club again? Uh, club Entrain. Okay, yeah. Uh, that club shut down when I was 12. Then I moved to another club in Quebec City called Club Montcalm. I uh, played there for two years until I was 14. I was uh, one of the best in Canada, but maybe finishing top five at nationals. Uh, I was in a sports school program there, so I would go to to train every afternoon. Uh, have, I'd have school from like eight to one and then go play squash all afternoon that's, uh, that's quite from, unique isn't it uh, you don't really hear of that that much in canada do you like sports school mm -hmm. like that? no it's not that big around canada actually i was surprised but in quebec it's pretty big mm. so i did that yeah from grade four till grade uh seven 
no, grade four till grade nine, I think, in Quebec City. And then I moved to Montreal when I was 14. Uh, moved with uh, the girlfriend of my dad there. And I went to another sport school. And I was then I started training at DMA uh, with Yvonne. Uh, I was before that I was going to DMA maybe once or twice a month uh, to train with Yvonne and the players there because I was already at 14 the best guy in in Quebec City. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, from 14 years old I decided that uh, I needed to move if I uh, to move to Montreal if I wanted to uh, keep improving. So after yeah, I. Um, I started working with Yvonne. Uh, I was, as I said, I was in a sports school, so every afternoon I'd go to the club, train with the pros. He would run uh, group sessions, so there would be when I started, that'd be um, Sean, uh, Mike Reed, Dave Phillips, mm-hmm. Geneviève Lessard, uh, Alex Norman, Maxim Bloin, Maxim Latlar, Eric Dingle. So all those guys would be pro, and then I'd I'd be there training with them, That's which great. was amazing for me. Yeah, and yeah, I really uh, I improved really quickly that first year. Um, yeah, it was like I told you, I was about fifth in Canada, and then I got to uh, uh, I was starting to win win uh, tournaments and and be uh, number one in Canada or number two, and didn't win nationals under seventeen unfortunately but uh, yeah training with those guys I, I started uh, improving really quickly and, and and being one of the top guys in Canada and and yeah it really started to with with the sessions with Yvonne uh, it helped my game definitely bring bring way more knowledge than than I had than what I was uh, what was it about Yvonne's uh, coaching that that uh, what 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 sort of things did he kind of focus on? Because I know uh, he impacted many, many very, uh, very good players. So he obviously had a <clears throat> had some sort of uh, a strength as a coach. What what would you describe as, as his uh, as his strength as a coach in, in terms of how he influenced your your game and uh, allowed you to to grow as a player? Well, one of the things was that he he was uh, like talking us through and and making at least making me kind of know why I would do that why I would change my swing why I would move this way and mm-hmm. what would happen if I do it so he wouldn't just tell me move this way or head this way and that's how it is no you tell me and give me reason to to make me kind of see the the end goal clearly and that helped me obviously especially he changed entirely my back end, and the, when I came to Montreal, my back end was uh, was shocking. To be honest, I was cutting the ball way yeah. too close for me, and then uh, he changed my entire back end technique. And I mean, it was a it was a struggle, but if I had to believe in him, what he was telling me, and and in the end, yeah, I changed my back end totally, and now I'm grateful for it. And same thing for my drop shots; I wouldn't go short. A lot of my juniors, oh, really? uh, yeah. we don't uh, hit to the back, get hard and run, wouldn't go short too often. And then he kind of, kind of worked my drop shots, and and now uh, now I use my drop shots all the time. 
That's great. Yeah, I noticed that in in the last in a couple of videos. You 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 like the drop shot. Yeah, I mean now <laughs> I one of my strengths is to stay around the tee, keep, stay on the tee and and cut the balls and try to volley drop as much as I can. Uh, and that's yeah, that's definitely different than how I used to play in my junior days. Yeah. Well, uh, now just uh, just talking a little bit more about Montreal, the MAA club. Uh, I've played there a couple times myself. Myself, it's a historic uh, venue, uh, an amazing venue. I think it's in Old Montreal, is it not? Uh, uh, no, it's downtown it's a, Montreal. Downtown, okay. But uh, it has uh, the JP Jonathan Power Court there, doesn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, upstairs yeah. they kind of they did renovations three years ago. Uh, they, so they took down the courts from downstairs. I was in the middle of the gym, and they built uh, two new courts upstairs in the gymnasium. Uh, one is the Jonathan Power Court, and the other one is the Yvon Provencal Court. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. Of course, there 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 has to be one for Yvon. He's been uh, yeah. I remember he's been when, there uh, for twenty five years. So yeah, uh, I was there in nineteen. It would have been nineteen ninety two, and he was. I mean, and I think he had been there for a long time even then. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's been 25 years. So, uh, yeah. well, it was 25 years, maybe two years ago. Oh, they have, so they probably would have had a, an event for that then. It's 20. Yeah, that's when they, they uh, made a court to his name. Oh, great. So, it's, uh, I think it's three years ago, actually. Yeah. Well, it's a great it's a great venue, isn't it? I mean, it's a, it's an old traditional uh, club atmosphere. A lot of uh, a lot of older fellas around there, and, and uh, a lot of guys that enjoy their squash. Yeah, a lot of uh, yeah, the squash vibe there is nice. Uh, I, well, with time, I got to know basically all the members. Uh, all of them are super nice. It's a uh, yeah, it's a good feeling to be back and and talk to everyone, and they all want to know how I'm doing with my squash and uh yeah they're all intrigued in me they watch me play and they talk to me so uh, it's it's a great vibe every every night there's some leagues or interclubs or there's always some stuff happening yeah so it's a, a very vibrant club yeah i guess it would have been i mean when jonathan jonathan actually lived in montreal i think back when he was in in uh, at the top of his game and he would play there, and then then uh, Sean uh, came along, and then uh, now yourself. So the the, the members there have been uh, been spoiled. Yeah, definitely. John, <laughs> Jonathan came for the last I think three years of his career. Yeah, uh, must have been his early thirties, I think. Uh, yeah, he came to Montreal, so yeah, made a a big boost to the squash crowd, the DMA especially. Yeah, and now uh, speaking of Jonathan. Uh, when I was uh, sort of doing a little bit of research for, for our, our chat today, uh, there's a great YouTube video out there of a very young uh, David Balgeron and uh, playing a Jonathan Power. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, I don't know how old you are in, in the video. It was in 2007, <laughs> but uh, I think it was at the Canadian Junior Nationals. Do you remember that? Uh, have, you know, you've probably played him. Yeah, few, I remember that. But, uh, yeah. Well, tell take, uh, tell us what you must have been thinking uh, before you got on court to play with him. And uh, sure, you knew him, and he knew you uh, pretty well. But um, uh, what sort of impact did, did he have uh, on your your uh, sort of upbringing and your the way that you played squash at the time? Because as we all know, I mean, uh, 
he was in my you know one of the greatest of all time really yeah definitely um i mean in that video uh yeah it was 2007 so it must have been yeah i was 11 years old it's yeah. pretty young um, <laughs> the racket was bigger than you yeah i think i was hitting a double-handed back end or I, was, I was serving with my back end on on the right hand side which should be a which normally i would now i would serve with my forehand obviously um but yeah i was a shy guy my english was not was actually awful by then when i was 11 so i was from quebec city didn't have too many friends in uh in in junior squash also so i was uh i was pretty shy i just wanted to kind of not get humiliated and uh well let let your squash do the talking yeah yeah I was a bit scared, to be honest, to go on court with him. But um, I think my dad pushed me and said, yeah, you got to do it. It's your chance. You're 11 years old. You can play with uh, the world number one. Uh, you got to take it. So I, I did it. And yeah, now it's somebody, I don't know how, some, but somebody put that video online. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I get mentions of it all the time. Um, but yeah, Jonathan has always been, obviously, a, a role model for, for me and I guess for every Canadian player. Yeah. Uh, in their junior years, uh, in and because he was a DMA, Yvon uh, worked quite a bit with him, so he he also learned a lot from from Jonathan, and uh, he he tried to put the some of some of what Jonathan would do into into my game. All the I mean, it's tough to mimic what Jonathan was doing. All the deception and holes and, and fakes and what he was doing with his racket but uh, uh, Yvonne would yeah, try to show it to me and give me the drills Jonathan was doing and yeah it definitely helped me well I mean there, there are a couple of points in, in that match there and well not match game in that in that game where you were playing uh, as a in 2007 I mean, you, you you kind of wrong-footed him one time yeah, I think I had a frame, maybe though. Know? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> it was uh, JP looked pissed off. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I think we played. Uh, it was first to three points, and I think I got to two one. So okay. you definitely didn't want to lose uh, to an eleven years old after. So yeah, <laughs> I think the last two points he kind of uh, yeah. Uh, he stepped this game a bit up. better squash, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he had to. Uh, you, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I was impressed with your game back then. That, that, that was great stuff. <laughs> Thank now, you. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, now you're in. Uh, now you're in Bristol, uh, eh, David? Yes, I'm. Uh, well, kind of in between Bristol and Montreal, but yeah, it's been uh, maybe half of my year in Bristol. Well, I was going to say, uh, uh, I've spoken to Nick, uh, Andrew uh, on the podcast, Sean obviously has been on, and uh, <clears throat> not many not many of the Canadians make that move uh, to live uh, and train overseas like you've done, uh, and I think it's a great, uh, you know, honestly, personally, I think it's a great move that you've made. Uh, I'm just wondering, you, you've made the move, and um, just what prompted you, you, you to move to, to Bristol? To, to do your training? Uh, well, yeah, loads of things. Obviously, I was not getting or improving as much as I wanted to improve. Um, I felt like I had to move somewhere. Uh, 
And also when I went to the World Doubles Championship in Manchester in 2017, at the last dinner, um, Glenn Wilson, I talked to Glenn Wilson because he used to coach at the Atwater Club and he was the coach for New Zealand there mm-hmm. at the at the World Doubles Championship. And he, he was talking to me about my game and he basically told me, uh, well, suggested me I should move I should should go to England or should go to Europe at, uh, at least to uh, to improve my game and and to get like the pressure session and different different view on my game and and yeah more training partner play the leagues mm. and I didn't believe him too much at first but then actually that night he I think he yeah he was super pumped for me to move to England so uh, or to Europe. So I think he brought in, uh, I think David Palmer was there uh, and he asked me the question and David, I think, also suggested me to to kind of move to Europe or at least to move from Montreal and, and, and go other places or somewhere else. And obviously Europe and, and England is one of the main squash hubs in the world. And then it was somebody else too. I don't know if it was Cameron Pilly or... Or another coach, I think. I think it was another coach, but yeah, actually, those three guys would kind of suggested to me that I should uh, I should move to Europe. So uh, yeah, it kind of worked his way in my head, and and I was debating whether to do it or not because I was still uh, doing my engineering degree at McGill. Uh, so I was debating, but uh, in the end. I decided to uh, postpone my my engineering degree and go to Europe. I went to France. Uh, that's last year in uh, uh, yeah, that's October two thousand seventeen. I went to France for a month uh, to try it out there in Aix en Provence. Mm-hmm. Tra- yeah, I trained there for a month. It was a good good training facility. But then I went. Uh, for two weeks in London and for two weeks in Bristol that's in November of 2017 and I really enjoyed Bristol I thought it was a a good fit for me so I decided to come here I also talked to um, to I think I talked to Malcolm Wilstrup also in Pontefract and and Rob Owen in Birmingham but uh, well the two of the best in the world right there (laughs) yeah yeah uh, so I yeah, those are the two first guys I talked to when I uh, when I um, decided that I wanted to move to Europe, but uh, or and Barcelona uh, Global Squash also. But mm-hmm. yeah, all those three places I don't think they would have been a good fit for me. So uh, I ended up yeah thinking about Bristol because I knew Sean Conroy, who's okay. based here, yeah. and. Um, yeah, I talked to Hadrian, went for a couple of weeks. I uh, felt really good, liked the way Hadrian was coaching, liked uh, the crowd that was here, the amount of players, liked the city. Bristol's very nice. And uh, so, yeah, I was here for two weeks in, in November 2017. Then last year in March and April, I came for two months in Bristol. Then I went back for nationals in the summer in Montreal and came back to Bristol in 
April in April from April to November this year and now I'm back for for two months March and April again okay well that's great I now you're like you mentioned uh, you're working and now with uh, Hadrian stiff uh, I've spoke with him on the podcast and I've had a, a couple of other uh, guys that he coaches and girls that, that he's uh, coaching on the podcast and everyone says uh, just, you know obviously great things his um, his coaching style, uh, the elite squash um, approach, is rather unique. Um, so, and obviously, you would have had to have uh, made a few changes in order to to adjust to his style. So, what sort of changes ha- have you uh, made, and uh, what what's your impression of, of uh, Hadrian's uh, outside the box, I guess you could say, uh, approach to uh, to coaching? Uh- I mean, yeah, it's a different approach, definitely, than the traditional one. But uh, everything that he says def- makes sense. He's a bit like Yvonne in a way that, yeah, he explains it to you, why he wants you to, to hit a certain way or move a certain way. And, uh, and yeah, that kind of clicked with me from the start. And, and, yeah, everything he says makes sense. He's just, uh, he's just trying to make your game that much more efficient in your movement and your swing and, and in the way you're thinking. And, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, I think it's uh, doing well to my game. Doing yeah, there's a lot game. of, a uh, lot of what he, when I was speaking to him and I, I'm trying to get my head around, uh, around it uh, a little bit, uh, having a equilibrium between the body and, and the mind. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, he kind of, uh, kind of tries to have us not not think too much and just kind of react and let let our our subconscious kind of react to the ball and and have the first movement he talks a lot about the first movement and he yeah he, one of his big thing is to kind of uh, uh relax everything as soon as the guy hits the ball and then kind of drop down and and leave really quickly uh, from there, with your the foot patterns that he's he's teaching, and uh, yeah, it's not it's not an easy thing to do to kind of be on the tee and and be super relaxed and mm. but at the same time, if you manage to do it well, then and and you've you've got the foot patterns to to leave the tee quickly, then it's it's the most efficient way to to move around the court, and and that's what I'm I'm trying to achieve. That's great. Yeah, I know for me, if I, I'm, well, I'm 50 now, so uh, the ball's passed me and bounced five times if I relaxed, relaxed too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's tough sometimes, like you, you're in a big rally and you get tense and, and then that's when, when you get sent the wrong way or, or you leave quickly, or you have like a bad foot pattern and you come too close to the ball. So it's, it's really a matter of, uh, yeah, for him at least, it's really a matter of of being relaxed on the tee and and confident in your movement and knowing that you can get if you're on the tee, you can get basically any ball, so any ball yeah. back. So, uh, and I was watching actually Paul Cole yesterday, and I was surprised how relaxed he was on the tee. I thought he would be pretty tense because because mm. the way he trains and and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah the way he he kind of talks talks about squash or is is uh he has vision of squash but he's actually super relaxed on the tee and because he's confident that he can get any balls so uh, that's yeah. yeah that's the thing i want to mimic 
Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I know I tend to be not so relaxed on the tea, especially uh, when things are going my way, I'm okay. But uh, when, when, it's a, when it's a tight rally, and then when you're not uh, relaxed, the ball's past you and you're, you kinda, you're, very, you're too stiff to react properly. Yeah, you're definitely slower. Yeah. I think you're reacting more slowly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now you're um, you're currently just outside the top 100, David, and um, you know obviously you've been playing uh, much better uh, squash uh, over the last uh, year. I, I would say, just judging by your results and the wins that you've had. So, what what are your uh, your goals for for uh, maybe the rest of this season, and then maybe long term goals? What what do you what do you have in mind? Well, for for this season, it's definitely to uh, to to make the finals of nationals. Um, that would qualify me to uh, to go to to uh, Lima, Peru for the Pan Am Games. Right on. Uh, yeah. So I def- that's definitely the main goal for the rest of the season. Finish top two there. That's one of the reasons why I came back to Bristol. Is yeah, I want to have a big uh, kind of a big training. Uh, I think it's yeah, two two big training months before before I, I play nationals and to be early May, right? Yeah, it's uh, I think it starts on the first of May actually. So I come back to Montreal on the twenty sixth. I'll be in Canada in Montreal for uh, five days, I think, and then I head to Toronto for nationals. So that's that's the goal for uh, for the rest of the season, and then. Uh, the goal in the long run, obviously, is uh, well. It's tough to set yourself goals. Uh, Adrian, yeah, Adrian always talks like he uh, he wants me to to be in near the top ten or in the top ten. Uh, but for me, I think it's one step, uh, one step at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I won my first five k. Now I want to win a ten k. I want to. Beat beat those guys on the regular basis now and get myself in the top eighty soon enough. Um, yeah. And then well, now, yeah, now that you've go. got a taste of, of victory, uh, you know, you've got a bit of uh, bit of momentum now, don't you? Definitely. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't register for any tournaments in March. I'm a bit uh, upset by that, but I didn't. I was not sure whether I was going to be okay. in in Montreal or in Europe so I ended up not playing any tournaments in March. Uh, are you playing any league def- matches over there? Or are you going to get involved in the in the uh in the PSL? Yeah, I played I played for Bristol last Friday. We played uh in Birmingham and I played Ryan Caskelly so that was a good match. Oh great. Yeah, uh, good good squad. Good yeah. Yeah, good player there. <laughs> yeah, I lost 2-0 but I, I think it was 11-8, 11-7 so I was uh Played pretty well, and yeah. it felt good to compete uh, to compete that well against a guy that uh, that's been twelve in the world, and I think now he's. Uh, well, I just 20. beat uh, James Wilstrup, I think, didn't he? In the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's uh, that's not bad. So, um, yeah, I was I I play in for Bristol in the PSL. Uh, we have a match in Newcastle, I think, in in a couple of weeks, and one more match in Bristol. So I'll play those matches, and I'm also playing uh, at the German league. I think I might have one more weekend uh, before the end of the season, and in French league 
I'm going to have one more weekend also. So, uh, well, that just tells you, uh, that tells you right there. I mean, uh, uh, the making the move to Europe, it, it, obviously you're getting, uh, some solid match play in, uh, matches that well, obviously you're going to get in decent matches in Canada, but nothing quite, uh, quite to, uh, quite like that. Yeah, it's definitely different. It's good to have those leagues are really good uh, for your game. I think you have good matches that it kind of counts, but they don't count too much. It's not the same pressure as a PSA match, obviously, but you still want to win because you play for your a team. And as a big crowd in, in England, especially, there are big crowds. So, yeah, you want to play well and, and you have those matches on a regular basis uh, every week or every two weeks, depending on, on the time of the season. But, uh, yeah, it's it's always good matches. I've played uh, yeah, Kaskeli, I've played Gauthier, I've played uh, McGuid. Um, yeah, yeah, you just get so many good matches. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and the players want to beat you too. It's not just an exhibition tournament. All the all the guys there that are playing the leagues, they want to they, they wanna play well and so it's a always good test, definitely, that which you wouldn't have in Canada necessarily. And I guess also in those league matches, uh, you're playing for a club or you know for a team, and uh, you've got the uh, the supporters behind you, maybe more so than you would in just a regular PSA event. So there's that uh, as well, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. You when you play in Bristol, there's the crowds always behind you, and and you look back at the crowd, and everybody's kind of staring in your eyes and want, wants you to do well and, and, and to win, which definitely helps and yeah, helps you uh, having, I guess, big performances and, and gets you uh, used to, to what it could be like uh, on the big stages on the PSA World Tour. Yeah, that's absolutely yes. Now, David, you've been uh, you've been fantastic uh, with your time, and uh, but I'd be uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you uh, for a uh, a classic. Uh, I don't know if you if you have one or not, but uh, a, a great uh, Sean Delier uh, uh, story that you could share with us on air. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, there are a couple <laughs> of stories from Sean, as you could expect. Uh, it's one of the classic ones is that I always when you when we go to tournaments together we usually room together okay and I always ask him um, you need a you have enough shirts Sean because Sean usually switches shirt every game okay yeah so yeah I always ask him or I asked him that time I think we were in Paraguay I asked him, you have enough shirts now? He's like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, so we went. I I think I played my match before. And he was playing after. Or, yeah, I think that was it. I was playing after. He was playing after me. So, um, and I guess he used two shirts for his warm-up. And then <laughs> going in, he went to five, I think. And going into the fifth, he didn't have a shirt. And he took his shirt off in between games didn't have a shirt and he asked me for the shirt that I was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Come like, oh on, like, but uh, you know, he's, I'm coaching him uh, before his fifth and final game and he asked me for my shirt. I'm like, so I, I obviously gave him my shirt and then I found the shirt from somebody else and uh, okay. one of the other players. But uh, 
Yeah, that was yeah. a funny classic Sean story. That's great. Yeah, he used two in the warm-up. That, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I guess he uses so many shirts, especially when we're in, in South America where it's super hot and, and wet, humid and wet. So, uh, yeah, you kind of need to. Everybody does there, actually. Right. Well, we'll we'll get some of the the, the stories that you couldn't tell uh, on air, off air uh, next time uh, we bump into each other, Dave. <laughs> yeah, we could yeah. do that. Yeah. Well, uh, mate, I uh, just want to say uh, again, uh, congratulations on behalf of all Canadians. We're really proud uh, of you, and I uh, want to wish you all the best. Uh, good luck with your training in Bristol. Good luck at the the Nationals. I'll be pulling for you there. Uh, Andrew Snell uh, won it uh, last year, I believe. And, yeah, he did. And Nick Sackfee the year before. So uh, I think it's your turn. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, thanks so much for coming on and uh, good luck and let's do it again. Yes, thanks for having me, Jerry. Well, thanks, David, for that. Really enjoyed that chat and uh, we look forward to uh, to the next uh, year or two and seeing how things uh, play out, especially, uh, you know, the Canadian Nationals coming up in May. Uh, Andrew Schnell and uh, Nick Sackvey, the most uh, recent winners. So uh, David will be uh, looking to add his name to uh, the, the long list of greats uh, winning the Canadian national title. Um, so all the best to him. Uh, and everyone else, uh, all the best to you and your squash. We've just been fed some incredible squash over the past few days with the, uh, the black ball there in Cairo and the Canary Wharf. Two incredible events which produced... Uh, some great squash. I know I'm excited uh, to get out on court again. I'm not sure if I'll be able to uh, have the uh, the strength, the balance, uh, and the skill set that uh, Tarek and um, Paul Cole provided for us uh, at Canary Wharf, and the similarly with uh, Raineem uh, and uh, and Nor both uh, playing some exceptional uh, squash. That was a five-game thriller. That was and uh, produced some high-quality uh, stuff. So. Uh, yeah, we're going to try to bring that to uh, to our games this week, everyone, aren't we? Uh, so good luck with that. All the best uh, with your squash. Uh, don't forget to check out the uh, In Squash uh, fan page on Facebook and on Twitter. Leave your comments, leave your suggestions. Uh, I've had a few people uh, recently uh, send me uh, uh, interview suge- episode suggestions or interview suggestions, which I'm going to follow up on. So please don't hesitate to do that. Uh, we've got some great ones coming up after David. Uh, we've got uh, Maxim Withers, the mental coach, to uh, Miguel Rodriguez, among others. And he's uh, he has some really good stuff to say uh, about the mental game. And uh, also we uh, revisit the Olympic bid uh, as well. So, uh, again, everyone, thanks for listening. All the best. And uh, talk to you soon. Goodbye now.